0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Vesey. Uh, This is the fourth uh, uh, of a series that I'm doing uh, at the moment uh, on the idea of home, and um, I always like to give a bit of a rundown as to what we've got so far. Um, But in the past, uh, we've looked at the fact that home can be many things. Uh, It could be your house. Uh, It can be your parents' house. Uh, It could be your family. It could be your community, Aspen is home, or the Roaring Fort Valley's home. It could be your country. Uh, it can be obviously your planet, the earth is our home. And really, even the universe is our home. Uh, but I said before that the door to uh, our home is really in our heart, in, in the identification that we have with the divine nature that's within us, the I am. Um, and our soul is the place where we access that, and really the way to our heart is through uh, our soul. And by entering our home through the door of our heart, by identifying with that greater I am rather than the smaller I am, we find ourselves at home in all places, wherever we are. Um, then we developed that idea um, from Thich Han, who said our true home is the present moment. Q prop. Bring us back to the present moment. It's our true home, this present moment. Last week... We actually looked then at the idea that the present moment is actually our control panel for life. This present moment is the meeting room between you and all consciousness. As Maureen there, her consciousness, and she is meeting all consciousness in this present moment. That in that you're not separate from the greater universe but you're a unique part of it. And this meeting room between you and consciousness is the place where you communicate to consciousness. You communicate to the universe and it's the place where the universe communicates to you. It's a sort of communication point. To be in the present moment is to rely on nothing, but instead to be in the nothing that is the present moment you rely on nothing or nothing because the present moment is not a thing and if you think of it as a thing you immediately objectivize it and you make it separate from yourself the moment you say the present moment is a thing you say well i'm here and there's the present moment you objectivize it it's nothing it's nothing And you're part of that no thing. So, in fact, which is where we got to last week, you are the present moment. In your life, you are the present moment. You contain the present moment with your thoughts Your feelings are there, your imagination, your emotions, your inspiration, your wisdom. It's all part of the present moment with what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel. With all that's around you and all consciousness expressed by everything, animate and inanimate. You are the present moment. It is your enlightenment. If you're wondering what enlightenment is, it is just the present moment. It's your beingness to be as it takes you. And if you want to hear more about the lead up to this, then you can either um, go to Spotify or Google or Apple and just download the Aspen Chapel podcast and you'll be able to uh, hear the previous episode. So we have this idea of the way of nothing, as the way of activating that control panel to the present moment, of letting go into the present moment, uh, so that we navigate our way through life. And I was reading William Johnson's book, he's an Irish Jesuit mystic, and he says, those who enter the path of infused contemplation, now when you're in infused contemplation, all you really are is in the present moment, that is enthused contemplation is fully being in the present moment you may experience an expansion of consciousness he said finding the great mystery of God in the whole universe and in the very depths of your being he says this is a wonderful gift yet it is no more than the first step in a journey that goes on and on Leading to the summit of the mystical mountain. And on this journey, one takes nothing with us. You know, that letting go of things. As Jesus said, take no gold, no silver, no copper in your belts, no bag on your journey. Or two tunics or sandals or staff. For laborers deserve their food. He says, Jesus, take nothing with you. Take no thing with you. One lets go of all reasoning and thinking and imagining. One lets go of all anxieties, living, as Jesus again said, like the flowers of the field or the birds of the air. There's there's a big letting go in this. And one is not preoccupied about tomorrow, for tomorrow can take care of itself. One takes nothing and one becomes nothing. Let go of your methods and fall into the void, he says. Remember how St. John of the Cross said, and the Buddhists say, that this is the way of no way. This is the way of no way. One gives up attachments to all consolations. Consolations in prayer, to visions, to psychic powers, even the attachment of the joys of silence. It's really giving up to all things. One leaves all that is familiar... One abandons all that gave security to enter into the cloud of unknowing or the dark night where one experiences a deep loneliness, like the loneliness that comes before death. And when you get that you're on your own and you are just in the present moment, there is a deep loneliness that you can touch. Johnson says, this is the path of the Hindu sannyasin who practices the most radical renunciation to find total liberation and profound wisdom. It is the path of the Bodhisattva who leaves all to come to supreme enlightenment and unlimited compassion. It is the path of the mystic who sings nothing, 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 all for love. One who lives this koan loses all security and falls into nothingness And the void that is enlightenment. Each mystical tradition had its own forms and distinct features. And the Christian mystical path is following the Christ in love. Someone once said, you know, what's the difference between uh, Buddhist um, mysticism and Christian mysticism? And I thought someone, I can't remember where I read this, but it was a good answer, said that Buddhist mysticism was an exploration of consciousness. Christian mysticism is an exploration of love. And I think that's just just an interesting sort of uh, way of looking at the two ways. What's the difference, you know? There is a difference. And, And one explores the nature of consciousness in Buddhism, and in Christian mysticism, one explores the nature of love. All for love, And today, on the eve of St. Valentine's Day, and and Roberto and and Kurt have chosen music that's that's uh, relevant to that, I want to talk about the way of love in the work that we do in the present moment. The way of love that we do in the present moment. Because although it's all about being in the present moment, in our control room, in the place where our consciousness meets with all consciousness, our work is to respond in a way that our contribution is part of the evolution of all consciousness. We want to make a contribution in what we're doing. And the way that we do that is responding in love to all that comes our way. That's the work, to respond in love to whatever happens in our lives. To be present. To know that the universe in this present moment, is sending us people. It's sending us experiences. It's sending us circumstances, and it's doing so that we might respond to everything that comes our way with love. I mean, the definition of love that I, I most use here is uh, is one of love being giving with no expectation of a return. Love is giving with no expectation. There's no bargain in love. It's just giving with no expectation of return. Love is the greatest power that we have in our being. It is truly transformatory and we're asked to use it as a duty to have been given the gift of life. And by loving, we are made holy. By the very act of loving, we're made holy. It is our sacrifice, our sacrificio, our sacre holy ficio made. Um, We are made holy by love. And when we truly love, we become part of the universe's great purpose because the language of the universe, as I've said before, is love. That, That is the language of the universe. The world, the universe was given With no expectation of return. As we were given our lives with no expectation of return. There's no bargain in that. We were given our lives in love. Which is why the Bible says that God is love. It's because the cause of everything, the universe, the planets, animals, plants. Is something given with no expectation of return. In love. Which is why God is called love. So to participate with the universe in a true sense is to become love. We become love ourselves. And when we do that, we become one with the divine urge. So when we, when we enter into that loving mode, we become one with the divine urge, which is the fundamental language or currency of the universe. We become one with God in that love. To love is is to become one with the force that created everything and to become part of the evolution of all things into the perfection as we travel to the point where all things recognise themselves. The end point of it all, of all of creation, all of evolution, is to come to the point where all things recognise themselves in each other and where all that is conscious experiences itself as one with the divine. That's the end point of of the evolution of consciousness. That's that's the moment that in Christian terms we call the second coming, where all consciousness becomes aware of itself as part of the divine. That's the second coming. Right now, our true home is the present moment. We are the present moment, and as such, we're part of a larger consciousness that is using us for the evolution of all consciousness. And the tool we have to use in that is love. We open ourselves to being in the present moment. We see what's sent to us by that friendly universe that Andy was talking about last week. And we respond to whatever comes our way with love. We have that 360 degree consciousness of all that is creating us of what's in our minds and our bodies and everything that it is out there there is a sense of a 360 degree consciousness and the awareness of all that's around us and in us and the greater consciousness that we're part of is to give when we get that awareness our role is then to give to love and that's the mindset that we're asked to hold on to as we experience ourselves within this home of the present moment we're asked to have that mindset to recognize that the present moment is our home and in that have a mindset of love. And we're asked to bring love into our home, to infuse our home with love, to reflect it back into our home. It's what Jesus asked us to do, which is why he said that, you know, the greatest command for all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is to bring that love in. That is loving with a 360-degree awareness, bringing love from that awareness. And we have you know, that well of love within us that I am to draw from. And we serve as a portal or a conduit for that love into the world, so as to transform the world that's around us through love. And by transforming the world around us, we serve the further purposes of the universal mind or God, by helping in the evolution of consciousness, You can see the logic of it. And once you have that mindset, it does become effortless to love your neighbor, to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. Because your intention is not to get won over on them or to get revenge or to have them feel the pain that you're feeling. Your purpose is to love them. And so you don't blame others for the pain that you feel. You don't try to make it about your enemy or make it about refugees or people taking our homes and our jobs. You don't make it about those who've done you wrong. The unfairness of your diagnosis or how the stock market has made you poor or how God has let you down. All of this is taking place in your home, all of these things that are happening. And if there's one rule in life, it's you don't poop on your own doorstep. Because otherwise, your home will begin to stink. And that's why so many people think their life stinks. Because they're continually taking a dump on those who think they think that they can blame. They think that these people are to blame for the situation in their life, and so that's what they do. When, in fact, these people that you're doing this to are all inhabiting your home, your life, your community, and your planet. I mean, just have a look at the madness that's going on around us. People fighting each other, blaming each other for their problems, the polarization of everything, countries going to the war over the stupidest of reasons. The reason that the world is such a mess is because people don't follow the basic rules of life. That we are here to love and not to hate. That we have to consciously do it. We have to do it in our awareness of the present moment. To give to those who are nasty to you with no expectation of return. Not for a reason or to change anything, because that would be a bargain, but just literally to be a loving organ. You know, that wonderful prayer of of, uh, uh, St. Ignatius Loyola, you know, good old-fashioned prayer, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward save that of knowing that we do your will. It's just such a wonderful prayer. And it's that attitude that all the great mystics took. Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Lao Tzu. It is a personal decision that's all about love. Now, it may seem you know, difficult to love those who persecute uh, you. But, but the way through, if you want a one way through you know, how to do it, it's compassion. Compassio, to suffer with. That, that, that's the way through. How do you do that? Compassion, to suffer with. We have to feel with and for those who bring us pain. To look into their lives and know that the pain that they're bringing us is due to their own pain that often they're unwilling to acknowledge. And when you see that, you can have compassion on them. You think, well, they're only doing this because they're messed up inside. Because there is a pain inside them that is making them do that. And if we see that, see that they're in pain, then we can have compasio on them. We can suffer with them. We can have com- forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's just great, that not it? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's what Jesus said on the cross... That is, that is a, one demonstration of how to get through. Forgive them, for they know not what they do, and to love instead. It's all about not dwelling on yourself, not dwelling on, on how you feel, feeling sorry for yourself about the way that you feel, but having your attention out in the present moment and seeing how others are feeling and responding to that with love. Compassion and empathy, they are the tools that we use to love. And if you love your home, then it will become gradually a more loving place. How gradually the world goes that way, we don't know, but it definitely starts here. So, in your celebrations of Valentine's Day, rather than just giving cards or candy or spending the day, you know, doing all that business, spend it experimenting in giving love. Wait for the first time tomorrow that you feel pain, yours or others, and respond to it with love. To your partner or your kids, to the grocery store clerk, to the person that cuts you up on your street, to your employer, your employees, to the person that sold you a bum steer, to the person who's holding a grudge against you, to the person that you've not forgiven, to those who oppose you politically, or even those who bomb and rape. Unless you're able to respond with love, you're just part of the problem. To be part of the solution, you have to be engaged in that emotional alchemy taking pain and hard feelings that you have and turning them into love, being being a loving grist for the mill that's your world, the world that exists in your consciousness, in your home, in the present moment. That's what it is to have no attachments, to see that as the Buddhists say, it is not good conduct that helps you on your way, nor ritual, nor book learning, nor withdrawal of the self, nor deep meditation. Nothing of these confer mastery of joy or joy. O seeker, rely on nothing until you want nothing. That is to take the attention outside yourself. Rely on nothing until you want nothing. Only then can you truly be loving, because only then you'll be given with no ulterior motive to better you, to better your family, to better your community or your country, because it's the love of the greater universe, the love of God. It's for that that you're doing these things. And civilization progresses because people see this and they act on it. We go from being animals to being beasts to being savages to being community people, to seeing injustices, to acting on them, and gradually we see abuses falling away. Persecution, slavery, injustice, prejudice, unfairness. We see it falling away. We're not there yet, but we are definitely on our way because individuals like you and me are taking a stand by loving, by seeing that there are no others. There's just us, all of us living together in a home that is the present moment. By pouring our love into our lives, we change things for everyone. And next week, I want to see how this might work on the world stage. thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.